it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Eleven o'clock on your Tuesday morning. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the Game. Tyler West and Chris, along with you. Thanks you once again to Spencer Rattler for being today's guest on the Garnet Trust Hour. Chris, very good conversation that you had with Rattler. Third, fourth, fourth time I think that he's been a part of either that show or this show. So. Thank you to Spencer for being so gracious uh, with his time. A lot of good stuff that you guys hit on um, uh, in that hour. Anything in particular that, uh, that stood out to you, Chris, uh, one one major takeaway from that? Yeah, the, the host was terrible, but Spencer <laughs> did a good job as always. And um, here's the thing that actually stood out the most to me, Tyler, and it really wasn't anything on-field, schematic, anything like that. It was toward the end where I asked Spencer to kind of look back on his – decision to come to South Carolina uh, to stay, you know, not just for one year, but, but two years. And I, I was actually thinking over the weekend when I saw some of the guys down on the field and Steve Spurrier down on the field from that 2010 to 2013 era, those guys getting honored, coming back. We've obviously seen, you know, Jadavion Clowney come back when, when he got his, his number retired, when he, um, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, same deal. He was back earlier this season. So it got me thinking, like, hey, how how is Spencer Rattler, you know, going to be viewed here at South Carolina with the things that he's done? He's only been here two years. It's been a short stay. It's been a little bit longer than we thought, but a shorter stay. And so the thing that stood out the most to me is just asking him about this place and, and his thoughts on it. And I think he really, truly views it as a home. He called it a home away from home, said he's keeping his place here. You know, so when he moves on to the NFL um, – you know, he played, obviously, at Oklahoma. He's from Arizona, but he's played his college ball here at South Carolina, and he seems to view it as more than just, you know, a place he stopped over. Um, he's going to keep his place here so that when he comes back, he'll have a place to stay. He said he'll always be back. So I, th- I think we'll be in years in the future. Maybe Spencer Rattler is, is jumping out of the back of the, the cockaboose <laughs> train that comes on the field before the game. And, and leading the Gamecocks chant. But uh, th- I thought that was pretty cool to hear, and that stood out to me. Well, and, and from looking at the history of South Carolina quarterbacks, well, obviously the success overall is not going to be what we certainly hoped for Spencer Rattler, and there's still the opportunity to get to 6-6 six and six and go to a bowl game from, like, a skill standpoint and what he brings to the table as a quarterback. I mean, if he's not the best ever, he's certainly up there in the conversation. Yeah, he's easily in the conversation. I actually would make the argument sitting right here right now that he's the best quarterback at least of the era that I the eras that I've seen, you know. I I, I want to be completely like not hot takeish with it. Like I know sometimes oh he's the best that's ever played here and you know, we didn't <laughs> see them all. But as far as the guys I've seen, and that is at this point watching some Carolina football for a long time, I, I do think he's the best and he's even avoided the sort of fan base gives up on you trajectory that almost all quarterbacks have. Like, it, I mean, mm. every single quarterback, unless, and, and even if you're like an NFL Hall of Famer that's been 
at an NFL franchise for 12 years, eventually most of most who've ever played the game have to deal with the, oh, game's passed him by, it's time for him. I love what he's done, but time for him to retire. So pretty much every quarterback goes through this trajectory where everybody's pumped up for you, you can do no wrong because they haven't seen you make a mistake yet. And then depending on how good you are, it sort of climbs from there. And at some point you go down the other side of this curve and it's people have given up on you. And for Rattler, um, you know, luckily he did like he started slow, but he's finished on a very, very strong note. So I, I think people have seen what he's done and they're looking at this team this year and they're seeing, man, he's out there taking a beating. He's, um, Never once blame his teammates, never once blame the defense, never once blame the offensive line, and I think that goes a long way with people. And obviously I wasn't working here through most of last season, so I wasn't as plugged into what the conversation around Rattler was through those first 10 games of the year. What was kind of the perception before everything kind of exploded in those last two games last year? Because he wasn't playing to the standard that I think a lot of people thought he was going to, and the team as a whole wasn't. Um, but uh, it seemed like a lot of people were like, okay, well – he is what he is. You know, those days at Oklahoma are, are in the past, and, you know, we'll see what we can get out of him here. But what was the conversation around Spencer Rattler during that time last year where him and the team as a whole were struggling a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Chris, I don't know what you remember, but I, I think for the most part early on it was, um, you know, he's still got to get settled in. So there was mm -hmm. a little grace period there. A lot of the negativity at the time was more directed – at the offense coordinator, Mark Satterfield. So that there's a little bit of buffer there in that, hey, you have this guy, are you using him correctly? I, I feel yeah. like was a lot of the conversation. Now, there was a point, depending on, you know, everybody's going to have differing opinions. I would say towards the middle of the season, there was kind of some things where you're like, well, um, you know, Rattler has settled into being, he almost became a little bit of a game manager, and remember, they were saying run the there. It was get the ball to Marshawn Lloyd. That was the game that plan was, yeah. for the middle portion of the season, and so it was. It kind of shifted a little bit away from. It wasn't that Rattler was playing poorly, but it was more just that he was being asked to be a different quarterback than what we're seeing him be right now and what we saw him be at the end of last year. And then, of course, you just had the offensive explosion uh, against Tennessee, and it, it skyrocketed from there. But I would say in the middle of the season, everybody kind of adjusted their expectations a little bit, and the offense shifted more towards run first, run second, and it just kind of is what it is. But I, I don't really get the sense there was ever a time when the fan base just kind of turned on him and, and said, oh, he's not the best guy for the job. Yeah, you you did have I, – I do remember there was one kind of infamous call last year where – um, and it probably represented it maybe just one person. It might have represented like 5% of the fan base, and I want to say it was probably after the Florida game where absolutely like nobody played well. They had the special teams touchdown, and that was it. And there were a few calls then of, well, we, we got to get you know Luke Doty in there or whoever. And there was a little bit of that. Of course, that was very quickly wiped out, you know, um, the next week. But it, it is fascinating, I think, what you said, Wes, and I haven't really thought about that until you said it, that he did. I mean, you think about some of the the best players 
and, and especially just zooming into the quarterback position, they have all been victim of that, right? I mean, Dylan Thompson threw for, you know, a million yards one year, and it was a constant, you know. The offense kind of had to score every time in 2014. And Dylan Thompson, we saw a lot of that. Connor Shaw, who for most people is their number one and has been their number one, whether it's in the modern era or even all time. Um, I remember several occasions where people wanted Connor Shaw benched, right? It's quarterback. That's the way it is. Backup quarterbacks are always fascinating. He's the most popular guy on the team. And, and I think I'm Spencer Rattler has some – some of his past has, has helped to color – and when I mean past, like, the, the positive aspects of it, hey, former number one quarterback all time, five-star guy, super talented, at one time on a bunch of Heisman lists at Oklahoma. Apparently also held the Arizona State high school passing record until recently. He did until it, that. Was, until it was broken, which I didn't know. He seemed mildly, like, uh, almost a little bit disappointed about that maybe. That it got broken? It got broken. I thought for a minute y'all were saying the uh, basketball, like, Passing record. He may hold some of those records. No, too I'm not going to make any passing references. See, that's anymore. what I was about to say. I, I thought he was not. A, he's not a pass first guy. Chris did win a state title though. Yes. Hey, but, I've said his basketball mixtape. Very sweet. It, it's legit. But no, I mean he um he did kind of avoid that, and it's just uh, it's fascinating. It's going to be fascinating to see how people look back, you know, on his tenure at South Carolina, and it's kind of a shame. That you know Xavier Leggett's having the season he has, Rattler's conducted himself how he has played how he has, and the results haven't been there. Yeah, I mean I I think for the most part it's going to be widely widely positive. Yeah. Um. Now it would be I'm trying to think of my word here. If 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 it could include another win over Clemson, Ooh. then I do think there would be even more sort of positive memories just about how it went on the field for the team as well, even with the disappointment of this season. But I think in terms of Rattler as a player himself and as a quarterback and the notoriety that he brought to this program and just the the fact that he, he chose South Carolina and came in. And, and I, I think, really, frankly, guys, the difference I've seen from him this year is he feels like he's a Gamecock now. Like, it felt mm-hmm. like last year, this was a one-year transfer. I'm going to go do my job, and then I'm going to go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like he is he is looked at. He's Right now, I look at Rattler as being a South Carolina quarterback as opposed to a former Oklahoma quarterback who transferred to South Carolina. And that's an interesting point that you bring up because there are plenty of guys that just go to a school for a year or two, hey, I'm here to play football and, you know, take my aspirations to the next level or whatever it may be. And I think back to, like, when Joe Burrow went to LSU, and obviously that was a team that ended up being one of the greatest teams in all of college football history, winning the national championship and everything like that. But he embraced the community in Baton Rouge and will forever be loved not only for his play on the field, but who he was to that program, that community as a whole. And I see similarities. And again, the success on the field wasn't nearly the same here, but I see a lot of uh, similarities between how much Rattler has embraced just being a part of this community in Columbia, as Chris mentioned, wanting to keep his house uh, here, even when he goes on to the NFL, wanting to be around this program years down the line, be honored at, you know, games 10, 15 years from now, whatever it may be. Like he has fully embraced being a Gamecock and being a part of this community here in Columbia, which I think is great. And I think people who sat in the stadium 
and watched them beat Tennessee or who watched on TV or were there at Clemson, those are memories, despite this season, those are memories people will never forget, I think. And you can sit there and say, without a shadow of a doubt, those don't happen without seven running the show for you at QB. And guys, amazingly enough, even with just two seasons, he is climbing the South Carolina career passers list very quickly. He's busted into the top ten already. He's not going to pass Todd Ellis, who's still number one. But he he's moving up this list. He's moving up the, the season list as well. And um, maybe I'll give those here in a minute. But the he even just in two seasons, he's he's kind of etched his name into the record books. Absolutely. And still more more games to play and obviously hopefully get these next three wins and get to a, a bowl game as well so he can have a proper uh, send-off to his career here in South Carolina. Oh, can you talk a little bit more about what Adler had to say as well as putting a bow on the Jacksonville State game before we move on to Vanderbilt this upcoming weekend? That's coming up. It's the uh, Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on a Tuesday morning here on The Game. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game, Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Tuesday morning. Get back into our conversation about Spencer Rattler in just a second. But it is Veterans Day this upcoming Saturday. And all this week, we're inviting you to celebrate a veteran in your life by telling us a story of them on our website, 1075thegame.com, and filling out the contest form. We will read one per show on Friday and then have a drawing to win a pair of tickets to South Carolina and Clemson coming up at the end of the season. That winner will be picked in the 5 o'clock hour coming up on Friday again, Veterans Day, this Saturday, November the 11th. Speaking of tickets as well, uh, keep it locked right here on the game all week long as we'll be giving away tickets to men and women's basketball games uh, as well as some upcoming uh, football tickets. Also, Hootie and the Blowfish going to be in town August the 29th next year playing the Carolina Coliseum, and we'll have some tickets to give away for that as well. Those football tickets uh, sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. Speaking of Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, did y'all know that Darius Rucker was at the stadium on Saturday? I did. Yeah. I. Uh, I he's, re- at, he's at most of the games, I think. I, I, I That was the first time I had seen him. I, I don't get starstruck really often, but when you turn around after – I saw Steve Spurrier first. He was talking to our friend Rick Henry from WIS down the street, and I kind of mm-hmm. turned, and I was like, holy crap, that's Steve Spurrier. And then two minutes later, Darius Rucker's go walking down the hallway. I'm like, wow, the that's stars pretty cool. Were out. I know. I like. I nearly. I never get like starstruck, but I'm like, that's pretty dang cool. Who were you more starstruck for? Uh, definitely Spurrier, yeah. just because like I was not expecting. And I knew he was going to be there, obviously, but I didn't think he was going to be standing two feet away from me. So the old ball coach. The one and only. Did you speak to him? I did not. I was uh, going to. Did you have your Georgia hat on? I did not. No, I was in the <laughs> press box. I'm a professional. I uh, I was I was going to attempt to, but after he talked to Rick, he ended up walking away. I knew he had other things to get to, but pretty cool to see him. Um, and uh, pretty neat to see Darius Rucker um, as well. We've been talking a little bit about uh, the Spencer Rattler conversation from today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. Which if you missed any of that, we'll have it up for you shortly on the 107.5 The Game podcasting page uh, go out to love chevrolet phone lines right now baron wants to weigh in and uh, pay a compliment to spencer rattler himself baron what's on your mind this morning oh i'll be real definitely quick but oh 
hope Mr. Rattler realizes just how much he's appreciated by the people of South Carolina and how many fans he has developed by coming here. It was a bright spot. You know, we got a much better team than our record shows, and because of him, a lot of it. You know, I'm from, I'm from Georgia, but a business up there. I wore a South Carolina hat in the breakfast restaurant up there. Well, the waitress came by and said, I watched the last game, and I want a, I want a hat. I said, take this, but it was new. <laughs> I said, I'll bring you some more next time I come. So I took a bunch of souvenirs up there. He's got fans everywhere. They, they watch. Who else has kicked Georgia around 14-3 to three the first half other than South Carolina? And they remember him. And, and anyway, I hope he realizes how much he's appreciated. And he's uh, he, he's got famous all over the all over the south. I'm up to him at the mountain town of North Georgia up in the hills. They watch South Carolina up there. A lot of people do. Anyway, thank you for letting me on, and we really appreciate Mr. Rather. Good luck to him. No, absolutely, Baron. I appreciate you calling in eight zero three four zero four six one hundred, and I think he. Kind of nailed it there. Uh, I believe uh, he is appreciated by not only a large portion of his fan base, but a lot of people on the SEC as well. And he was obviously a very big name when he did transfer over from Oklahoma. And as we've talked about plenty of times, he, you know, maybe didn't have the best reputation in a lot of people's eyes going back to that Netflix show when he was 17-year-old kid and said some dumb things in front of a camera. But, you know, when we can all attest to this, he's certainly matured a whole lot since then and, um, uh, again, has been uh, very well embraced by not only the South Carolina contingent but the SEC as a whole, it seems like. Yeah, he, re- he really has. And, uh, like I said, has a shot to ease into the rep- record books at South Carolina. I'm looking right now, even just in two seasons – so 4,000-yard passers list here, top 10 career passers list. Um, Todd Ellis has nearly 10,000, which, um, you know, you, you have to, the way they do it in the record book, Spencer is already, already has more career passing yards than anybody who has ever suited up yes. at South Carolina. But um, I guess with transfers and sort of the new age of college football, you only do it with how many yards you have in that uniform. And so Spencer basically this past week slid into ninth place career passers at South Carolina. And he's got a pretty good shot. So he'll, with with just a solid game this week, he will probably slide into seventh. And he, uh, he would pass... Phil Petty and Anthony Wright. And so now probably doesn't go into sixth this week, but you never quite put it past Rattler. He'd he'd need a 450 burger, (laughs) which could happen. Yeah, I mean, it is Vanderbilt. It is Vanderbilt's defense. And um, what what is, uh, as far as the pecking order on that list, Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. But I would say uh, an, an obtainable like number that he could potentially get to on that uh, list. I, I as actually far do. As the I do already go. have that answer you for you. I just answer. I just lost my screen okay. for some reason. But basically, he probably just glancing at it would tap out at fifth, okay. uh, fifth all time. He uh, he's got a very real shot at that. And um, I I did have the numbers for y'all, but I, I just lost my screen. And um, <laughs> the. Uh, but but Connor Shaw is fifth. Okay. So yeah. if he has basically his typical big games, the final three, even without a bowl game, okay, he can get to fifth. And then even if you tacked on a fourth game for whatever reason, 
yeah. it, it would be tough to get into fourth because there's yeah. a pretty big gap there. But still, to be the number five potentially all-time leading passer in school history in just 25 games, pretty impressive. And, you, and you're saying he would pass Connor Shaw to go into fifth? Yes, Connor is fifth yeah. right now. So he would pass. He would take That's, Connor's place as fifth. Connor has 6,074 career yards. You know who's fourth? Anybody? Fourth. No. There, there's a there's a big gap. This this guy, you want to talk about how people are remembered? Not remembered well enough, in my opinion, for what he did. Jeff Grants? No. What era Very, are we talking here? Talking re, re, recent, 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 oh, recent, recent, recent. Dylan Thompson? Mm-mm. Jake Bentley. Oh, oh, yeah. More recent, yeah. Jake is fourth all-time at South Carolina with 7,527 yards. Now, that's one. You want to talk about guys that got, like, the treatment you were talking about earlier? Who, buddy? But dude, I'm telling you, if you look at every single quarterback career ever, yeah, there's, and people can't obviously see me, but there's, there's like a, <laughs> it's like a graph, and it starts going up, and for guys that just, you know, maybe aren't good. Sure. The graph just drops on off, and people are just like, nope, next. Give me the next guy. And for guys that are good, it kind of keeps going steadily up, or it kind of yep. plateaus for a little while. And this this graph is sort of showing fan sentiment on, do I want this guy to be my QB or not? And then eventually, just about every quarterback that's ever suited up, it eventually falls off, and... Hey, play the backup. We want we want to see this guy. We want to see that freshman that I read about on Gamecock Central. So, Rat- Rattler has not really had to experience that fan sentiment graph. Jake Bentley, poor guy, absolutely did experience that. Well, and and speaking of backup quarterbacks here, you know, obviously we all believe that Lenore Sellers is going to be that next guy for South Carolina. What is the, you know? How much of a benefit is it for him to be able to sit behind a guy like Spencer this year, learn from him, develop under him? And obviously he's gotten out on the field a, a few times um, and gotten to play a little bit. Um, but just being able to learn from somebody that's just played so much college football and has been in a highly successful program like Oklahoma has obviously come here and done a lot of great things in South Carolina too. How beneficial is that for Lenora Sellers when he eventually takes over? Very. And, you know, Spencer's been a, a great teammate as well. And so I, I think Lenora's – He's a sharp kid, and so just being able to observe, you know, all the different things that Spencer has done this year, you know, how has he led the team? How does he, you know, command the huddle, so to speak, Um, the plays that he's made? Those things are very valuable, and and I think that plus, I mean, here's something that's nice, not having to come in and start as a freshman, right? Like, if you're good enough and, and the need is there, sure, that, We've seen that. We've seen successful instances of that in the past. But we've also seen, and man, it seems like we've seen it a good bit here at South Carolina, guys having to come in as freshmen. And, you know, it's not that they're not ready. It's just not ideal. And it's the hardest position and the most important position to play on the field. And so have we all wanted to see Lenore Sellers more? Yeah, sure. But it's nice, actually, that he's not out there as the starter because you need him to be the starter. So just having that year to sit and be able to full, have the year of development as a quarterback but also get a cup of coffee on the field, 
that's beneficial, I think. Absolutely. And again, if you missed any of that conversation with Spencer Rattler in the Garden Trust Hour, we'll have fun up for you shortly on the 107.5 The Game podcasting page. All this talk about football, basketball got started yesterday in a big way for both the men and women. We'll talk about that. And uh, one certain freshman that really showed out. Well, I was looking at her and she, I was like ready for her to like take me, like guard me, but she was looking like she didn't know whether to guard me or guard the people who was running with me. So I was like, all right, this is the time to do it. So when I did it, I seen like the other defender coming up to like try to block it. So I had to do like a little fake to Camilla and I laid it up, but that come with a lot of practice. Like I do that move like a lot in practice. So in the game time, it felt normal. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. That was the voice of true freshman oh, for South Carolina women's basketball, Malaysia Full Wiley, who in and of itself had an already impressive performance with 17 points, uh, six assists, and a rebound in uh, yesterday's win over Notre Dame out there in Paris. But the thing everybody's talking about, the around-the-back layup she had early on in that game, and uh, as, as Don Staley would go on to say, she's a generational talent and going to be a very special pay- player for uh, South Carolina for years to come. She used the word normal. There is nothing normal about... Normal for her. Pulling yeah, off that... But that, that's my point. Um, if that's normal for you, uh, you're, you're special. Like, there, there's nothing normal about what we witnessed from her. And the the crazy thing about it is Full Wiley was so good, so impressive, and so flashy that uh, Camilla Cadoso had, I believe, her best game ever. Double-double. Um, 20 points, 15 rebounds, 4 blocks, in 24 minutes, mm-hmm. and did everything I think that we all thought she could maybe do and be this year, and it got completely overshadowed. But the I know Don Staley used the word gall, and that she had the gall to pull that off to even attempt it. So I feel like every every athlete that's played any sport kind of has some like there, there's this cutoff line of. Oh, I'm willing to attempt this goofing off with my friends. I'm willing to attempt this in practice, but there's a cutoff between what you're willing to attempt in a game. And there's probably should be a cutoff for what you're willing to attempt on national TV in Paris. Well, and that's the other thing too. This isn't, you know, no disrespect for these teams, Wofford or South Carolina State. This is the number 10 team in the country in Notre Dame, a team that made, I believe, the Sweet 16 last year. Like, this is a good program who they themselves have a very good freshman. Hannah Hidalgo had a great performance yesterday as well. Like, doing it points. against a top of the line quality opponent in game number one, that does take a lot of gall. It, it does, man. And I, I think. What what that tells me and just what she's saying there as well, that was not a spectacular move for her. That was something she's comfortable doing. It's spectacular to all of us. But Yeah, she doesn't deem it as risky. She knows yes, she can do it. She knows she can do it. She's comfortable doing it, which uh, is just insane in, in its own right. So we're, we're going to have a lot of fun watching this basketball team. It's a completely different basketball team, obviously, than last year. But... Uh, I think the Gamecocks put everybody else on notice that uh, this is not a rebuild in Columbia. Yeah, we know Dawn Staley's teams are going to be loaded with talent, right? But I think everybody was wondering, you know, how how good can this team be? What's the ceiling? Because of all the talent they lost, right? You 
return a lot of really good players. You bring in some new players, whether it's a transfer, right, and Pow Pow, or if you, uh, or it's a freshman like Malaysia Full Wiley, and it's just been one game. But as y'all said, it's one game against really good competition, and I think it gave us a glimpse of how good this team could be. And, and I actually lean a lot on Chris Wellbaum, our colleague at Gamecock Central. He covers the women's basketball program here very, very closely. And in his piece, I think this morning or yesterday, it came out yesterday actually, sorry, he said this team reminds him of the 2019-2020 women's basketball program at South Carolina. That team was on track to probably win a national title. We don't know, right, because you look at what happened last season. But that was, of course, the year that, they canceled the tournament altogether because of COVID. That team lost just one game to a ranked Indiana team at the Paradise Gym. Other than that, they were undefeated. You know, they steamrolled through the SEC tournament. They were rolling going in. And this team reminds him of that team because they can really score. Um, I think the shooting is is really good on this team. They just have so many different pieces. And that would have been that would have been the first year of the freshie class, correct? Twenty nineteen. Is that the year they came in? I think that's right. Yeah, so, and obviously ended up being the greatest class yeah. that South Carolina has ever seen. So, the, certainly lofty expectations. So, sophomore to, year for freshies. Sophomore year for freshies, so they yeah. were coming in 18 then. Yeah. Okay. I, I get confused by the 18, 19, 19, 20, 20. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it, it's, all, it's all. The dash years. It's all mixed yeah. up there. I might be telling you completely um, wrong there. Tony. But re- right. regardless, a ton of talent on that team, a part of that freshie class, so certainly lofty expectations to live up to. But, um, you know, for, for the first game, went out there and impressed and, you know, a 29-point victory over a top-10 team over there in Paris, which is really cool. Um, a great way to start the season. And as we know, and they do this every year, they have a tough slate of non-conference games. Got Maryland coming up next, taking on a ranked North Carolina team, a top-five Utah team, before obviously getting into the grind of SEC play once we turn the calendar over to the new year. I, I've told this story before, and I said it on Twitter yesterday, but – I, I was in the gym when Ivory Latta scored 70 in a game in high school, and I said there would never be another Ivory Latta. Nobody could ever surpass her. Uh, Full Wally has been compared to Ivory Latta throughout her high school career, and um, I I see I see the comparisons. Let me just say that. like it, it And that's very hard for me to say as somebody who graduated with Ivory, but, man, I, I can't wait to see what, what this girl can do because – she kind of has everything in her toolbox, which is what I think is is most impressive. So uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch. You have a flashy point guard like this. You have Cardosa inside, and then all the pieces around them, a team that I think, Chris, you mentioned their shooting, they're going to be a better shooting team than they were last year, which I, I think is really what makes them dangerous. Yeah. I mean, you, you look like the the move that Full Wiley had her – announcing herself to the nation, the world. Uh, we all knew, you know, most people who, who follow college basketball and girls' high school basketball, like, they knew Malaysia for a while. She's been on the radar since she was in, like, I was not even eighth grade, like seventh, I think. Uh, she's been on the radar for a long time, big-time recruit. But that kind of overshadowed the performance that some of the other players had. And you just look at, once again, the depth of this team. Right, like Sanai Fagan started the exhibition. You go with Kitts this time. Kitts has made a big leap. 
Pow Pow hit a couple threes. She can shoot. She can run the offense. You've still got Raven Johnson. There are just so many players that Dawn Staley can throw at opposing teams. And another thing that Chris Wellbaum, our colleague at Gamecock Central, pointed out was this team has so much, um, so many weapons offensively that it's almost it almost helps their defense because the other teams just feel like they have to score all the time to keep up. Um, it's kind of a constant race. So you've got Cardoso obviously doing Cardoso things inside. You've got Kitts who can pass and score from her position. But then you've got, like you said, Wes, a lot of shooters on this team as well. Great start of the season, 107-71 to 71 victory over Notre Dame. They'll be back in action stateside against Maryland coming up on Sunday at 1 o'clock. That game televised on ABC. Men's team also in action last night getting their season started and also had a pretty impressive victory. We'll talk about that coming up as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on here on the game. Yes, um, just putting in time. He tells us after, after practice a lot just to make sure you work on your game. So getting these open shots in our, in our offense – where everybody's thinking and praying that, not well, not really praying, but just believing that it's gonna go in. So I believe that with this offense and with Coach Paris having that belief in us, that if we feel like it's an open shot, then we're gonna have a chance to make it at a high rate. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyra West and Chris along with you in the Hernan Chevrolet Studios. That was the voice of one of the new faces of South Carolina men's basketball, B.J. Mack, talking about uh, how well South Carolina shot the three ball last night in route to their 82-53 to victory. That's funny. The uh, men and women's team both defeated their opponents by 29 points yesterday. That's really cool, but the team was uh, 12 of 22 from beyond the arc, shooting 54% from three, which going back to last season, they were in the back half of the SEC when it came to shooting the three ball and were to be hot in some games, cold in some other games. And, um, you know, obviously it's a one-game sample size, but last night showing uh, a really, really good effort uh, when it comes to uh, shooting some of those three balls. BJ Mack, another Garnet Trust. That's right. <laughs> Radio um, veteran. We had what? You had Studi in here. We had Studi. We had Mack. Uh, Talon Cooper. Cooper. We had Talon Cooper. Cooper. We had Michi. Michi, not a newcomer, obviously. Michi has been here, though. Um, we had Hayden Brown. He's obviously not on the team this year. We'll, but we'll, count, we'll count Hayden Brown for Stephen Clark. How about that? <laughs> there you go. But, yeah, I mean, I, I did. So I watched most of the game. I'm, I'll be honest with our audience. I didn't get to watch the entire game. I watched most of the game last night. I thought there were some there were some good things. There was a building block um you know presented by South Carolina yesterday. And I, I think obviously if you're this team, I don't think you wanted to start out playing, you know, a top ten team like the South Carolina women. It's just different. And so to start out against upstate and kind of have a chance to gel together, I mean most of the guys playing for you are newcomers or transfers, and you're still just trying to to sort of get to know each other on the court and, and build that rapport. But my, my big takeaway was that this just has started to feel more like a Lamont Paris team and what you sort of envisioned him wanting it to be, kind of uh, letting the ball fly, but it, it's it's going in the basket and having confidence and – being able to shoot the three ball and lots of different guys playing, lots of different guys shooting, and um, I think it's something they can build off of. One thing that really stuck out to me last night, you know, especially when they got into conference play last year, there was a hesitancy to be physical, it seemed like. 
And last night, and again, this is USC Upstate, so and no disrespect to them, but there was seemed to be more of an emphasis on driving the lane, being really physical at the basket, and on defense as well, something, again, this team didn't do a whole lot of last year, and hopefully that's a promising sign for what we're going to see for the rest of the season. Talon Cooper, 15 points. Michi Johnson, 15 points. B.J. Mack, 13 points. Miles Studi, 10 points. I think you got to like the spread. Yeah. As well, you got to like how the how the ball was spread around, how the points were spread around. Um, you know, Jacoby Wright, who I think is going to be a really big, really important, at least currently off the bench piece, but somebody who can start with you, start for you if needed. He chips in nine. Um, Morris Ugasuk, who was going to redshirt when they initially landed him. Yep, and you can tell he's a freshman. I mean, he's a he he went the Jake Bentley early enrollee <laughs> right. route, smaller guy, right? Like uh, is going to need that extra year of development in the weight room. But from the sounds of it, he comes in and they're just like, dude, you're too skilled not to play, too skilled not to help this team. There, there's a skill set there, guys. And then to to add in the fact that um, Colin Murray Boyles is not on the floor yet, and I, I think is a guy everybody in that program just from the little things I had heard coming into the season, they expect him to make an impact on this team. So I, I think for them, this was a solid start. Doesn't really tell us much about how they're going to match up when they face the better teams, but it is something to build off of. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The spreading around, and look, again, let me say one game, right? But we have certainly seen teams like USC Upstate Come in here and put forth a, a very good showing. And we've seen South Carolina lose at home to teams like this in the past. And so um, a very just well-rounded performance like from top to bottom. And we were talking about shooting when it comes to the women. This team, I think, has some juice in terms of shooting as well, right? They've got several guys. B.J. Mack can step out and hit the three. Talon Cooper showed that. Miles Studi is a bigger guy, can step out and hit it. And actually one reason that he left Vanderbilt he wanted to be more involved in the offense, and so I think he's going to have the opportunity to do that here. And Beachy Johnson, they've got several guys uh, that can shoot it from outside, which I think is going to help this team a lot. And mentioning Michi, and he's somebody that you know last season was so either hot or cold. And I go back to last week against Wofford in the exhibition game. He was over eight shooting, comes out last night, puts together a good, good performance. 5'8 overall, a 2 for 2 from on the arc. So, you know, he still has a little bit of that hot and cold element to him, but it almost seemed like last night there wasn't as much pressure on him to go out there and have to put out the points like maybe we saw a couple times last season um, because you do have this complement of other great, talented guys around him now. Yeah, it's a little bit more well-rounded team. I Again, I, I think we'll, we'll see how they match up once they get into SEC play. I think it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how it all gels together. But... um you know, I think adding in Talon Cooper as somebody, you know, you have multiple guys now who can handle the basketball. So that puts Michi in a spot where I think you can have him play point guard. You can have him play two guard. You can have both those guys sort of bouncing back and forth between the two. Like I said, you got Jacoby Wright coming off the bench as well. And, um, you know, it just gives you a little bit more flexibility in how you use Michi. Like you said, maybe it takes the pressure off of him a little bit. But he, to me, is still the guy. When you face some of these better teams, you're going to need Michi to be the guy that goes off and and gives you kind of that upside that you're going to need to beat some of these better teams. But um, I'll be. It's going to be fun to watch these guys continue to come along, and um, 
you know, B.J. Mack, a, a solid debut for him. I think he's going to be a huge part. You know, can, is he going to be a solid player? Is he going to be a great player? I, I think those are the things that are going to be the difference in what we see from them once conference play begins. Absolutely. So a great start to the season for both the men and the women. As I mentioned earlier, the women back in action coming up on Sunday against number 14 Maryland. The men get back in action coming up on Friday night in the Hall of Fame series just up the road in Charlotte as they will be taking on the Virginia Tech Hokies. A tip for that game is at 9.30 on Friday night. You can watch it on the ACC Network. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Don't forget Coach Beamer's presser coming up. Sponsored as always by Pete Wine Pools and Spas at 1.30. We'll certainly react to that coming up on Wednesday's edition of the show. Coming up next, halftime show of myself and Terry Ford here on The Game. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply